John, shockingly, we're going to be talking Aaron Judge again. Yeah, well, he's not only the story in New York, he is the story nationally as well. I've never seen anything like this. What an amazing season. Yeah, in a better day, uh, if we had never heard the word steroids, every one of his at-bats would be national TV and national watch. We'll be talking about him and more with the Yankees, with Yankee manager Aaron Boone, who will join us. Don't forget, we're on the Yes app, and this is the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Our guest later in the show is going to be Yankees manager Aaron Boone. But as usual, John, the subject is someone else named Aaron. I think the show should actually be called Joel, John, and Judge. Uh, that's <laughs> no. what we yep. talked about. No matter how much we want to talk about other things, he's dominating. Uh, you were in Milwaukee yep. over the weekend from when we're speaking now. He closed that series with two more homers to get to 59 homers as we speak. So I could ask a well-rounded question, but no. I'm not. I'm just going to yeah. do Aaron Judge question mark. Yeah, I mean, he's dominated the season. I mean, he is the story of the season, which is partly why I do think he is the MVP, but it's the greatest offensive season that I've ever seen. I can't imagine. I couldn't imagine someone going for the Triple Crown and setting a home run record. I consider it the real home run record. Roger Maris is 61. Even if you don't, it's the American League home run record. He's going to get there. He's at 59. I mean, that last game in Milwaukee, unbelievable. I'm shocked they pitched to him at the end. I do love Council as a manager. You knew he was hitting it hard somewhere. It just happened to be a double this time, not the home run. But he hit the ball hard all five times up. Even the line, the line out may have been the hardest hit ball that he hit to start the game. And, uh, you know, I've never seen anything like this clean. I really haven't. John, you mentioned he's going for the Triple Crown. He's kind of having Mickey Mantle in 56 and Maris in 61 in one season, right? Amazing. Like, it's unbelievable. Uh, and by the way, both of those guys won the MVP, right? Like, by having those. And so, let, let's drill on the MVP a little bit. I, I, I want to say this. I understand why people would look at Shohei Otani. Sure. You could probably make a case, a decent case, that he might win the Cy Young Award. Like He's in the conversation yeah. for that. He's going to be top three or four, and he's one of the best hitters in the sport, especially when it comes to power, dynamic speed. He is the most unique player in the history of the game. But I mean, so I understand it. But for me, I'll just say this, is if you watch the Yankees and you think about value, I don't know how they hold on to first place no. without him. No way. Uh, even on Sunday when they scored 12, the other team scored 8. Without him, they don't win the game. I mean, he's a 10-war player, right? I mean, he's one of three active players who's going to be a 10-war player. Betts and Trout were both 10-war players. Trout twice. Uh, I mean, you take away 10 wins. I know it's not precise, but you take away 10 wins, they're in the middle of the pack somewhere. I mean, he's clearly, in my mind, clearly the most valuable I mean, Otani is the most incredible, most amazing, I would say the most versatile player I've ever seen. He's having another incredible year in another season. 
this is an MVP-type season. But to me, I do not see the case here. I've gotten in trouble on the internet from some of my friends, uh, in quotes, from Orange County and California. They Am don't I back see it to telling way. you to stop reading what's on the internet? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's right there. I mean, I don't know how you avoid it. You're you're good at avoiding it, but I don't see the case. I see people making it. I see the debate. People are debating this one more than any other. I don't even see it. I mean, to me, this is the best season I've ever seen from an offensive standpoint, and he's clearly the MVP. I still count valuable. Even if you don't count valuable, he's still got a WAR that's twenty percent higher than Otani. Otani it does count his pitching which is great, I agree, and is hitting, great, I agree. It counts all that, and he's still 20% lower than Judge, taking away the fact that Judge's team is in first place, and he's clearly valuable. Yeah, and that uh, Otani hasn't played in an important game since May, while Judge has played in only important games right. with all that, and, and with the atmosphere of Stanton was down for a long time, he's not Stanton back, Rizzo was down for a long time, LeMayu's been down for I mean, he's been the guy. Oh, and he's gotten better. He's gotten better. If you look at his numbers, it was a 960 or something OPS in the first half. It's over 1,300. 1,300 OPS in the second half. That's not even human. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Can, so, so you said, you know, if you remove him, what are they? So just, I want to remove something. If you remove all of Aaron Judge's home runs from his batting, so his at-bats and his homers, they take away those 59, he's still hitting 230 for, for them, right? By the way, Anthony Rizzo, 229. Donaldson, 222. Hicks, 216. Stanton, 209. This is a guy who's hitting better than the guys who are supposed to be supporting him if you took away all of his homers. If you yeah. take away his batting edge, they're hitting 231 as a team without him. So he is the offense for a team that's going to be the second seed in the American League. It, it's amazing. And half his home runs have come on the road. People talk about Little League, yeah. ballpark, and all that. The majority of his home runs have come to left field, the Yankee Stadium, more, more than he's half. He's also not a wall scraper kind of guy. No, like, no I mean, he's hit a few to yeah. right field, few. But, I mean, it's 59 home runs at this point as we do this. Uh, and we, we have to say that as we do this because we know he'll probably hit one tonight and tomorrow and the next day. It's amazing. I've never seen it. You know, they have no reason to pitch to him, and he's still hitting everything that they're giving him. It is like Bonds, but to me, it's better and it's real. So, story number one with him has been going after the homers. Story number two is developed around who should be the American League MVP. But the story that has existed all year is how do you begin to think about monetizing? Yeah. This right again, old story. He turned down the Yankees' seven-year, two hundred and thirteen point five million dollar extension offer. He gambled on himself. I don't know that anybody's ever done it in sports better than him. He might win the triple crown. He might set the American League at least record for home runs. How do you begin to monetize this? Yeah, I mean, we we had predictions a couple weeks ago. I think I had two eighty-eight. You had three hundred four, something like that. I, I think at this point you're closer. I mean, I think at this point. Probably. It's like the price is right, whoever probably, gets close to it without going over. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is there an over at this some point? At this point, it probably has to begin with a three. And, you know, we're going to talk about Cole as well. And, and Cole's a very good pitcher, obviously. he's a, He's got a lot of angst, anxiety right now about giving up all the home runs that he's given up. He hasn't been Imagine if he had a pitch to judge. True, yeah, I know. <laughs> he hasn't been the true ace that, you know, you're hoping for. But he's been a very, very good player. But they gave him $324 million. I mean, if you're judge, don't you say at this point... Don't I have to get more? I mean, you don't want to bring the other guy into it and, and denigrate him in any way, but 
don't I have to be the highest paid guy on the team? The one thing that they can say is he's a little bit older. He is 30 years old at this point. Maybe not the same length of the deal, but per year, he's going to have to be the highest paid guy, which was 36 minutes. That's what he was asking for is 36. I think at this point, I mean, he's not obligated to stick with that ask, right? He probably needs to get into the 40s at this point. Does he need to be higher than Cole? I'm not 100% sure on that, but certainly a big case for him to, to say that he does. And I don't know how the Yankees really argue against that at this point. So let me put you in the Yankees situation. I make you Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner, Randy Levine, the people who have to decide how to do this. Would you, the moment the season ends, say, okay, let's take 48, 70, whatever the amount of hours are, but it's like, Aaron, we don't want you to do any visits. We don't need the strong arming, the you know leverage play. We get it. The leverage play is you were the you've just had one of the greatest seasons in the history of the sport. You're our most popular player. We get it. Let's sit down and let's just get it done now. And whatever that number is, the Yankees have to live with it because they gambled and lost. Would you do that if you're the Yankees, or do you play no? Like, if we don't have to pay 40, we have to pay 37, let's go and do this and run the Freddie no, Freeman you, risk. Yeah, you can't run any risk. I don't think you can run any risk, because can you imagine this team without him at this point? I mean, everybody else has had injuries. I've seen He's Isaiah kind of Falefa hit fourth on this team, yeah. just for the record. I, by the way, I saw Ronald Guzman hit fourth for them one day. Yeah, that was a short, That was one yeah. day, though. Yes. <laughs> He's not around anymore. But, no. yeah, no, I mean, to me, you got to go right at it and say, you know, whether it's seven for 280, eight for 300, you got to go right after it and get it done. I mean, the guy bet on himself. I thought he was taking a big risk. I thought the Yankees' offer was not only reasonable, I thought it was good at the time. I was wrong. Who knew? I mean, he had this great season. We know he had that one great season right in 17, but he had two or three seasons I mean, he where did he had injuries. for the AL MVP last year. Yeah, he had it was very season. good. You're yeah. right, you're right. But nothing like this. I right. mean, at this point, as I said, have you ever seen the season better than this? I know no. when I asked Aaron Boone a month ago, and we'll have him on later, he said Mike Schmidt in 1980, but even that does not stack up. Obviously, they did win the championship. The Phillies won the championship. Boone's dad was a catcher on that team, but there are some exceptional seasons. This is a season I've never seen. I would say that Gidry season in 78, where he was 25 and 3 with a 174 ERA, 248 strikeouts. That's the best pitching season. This Doc is the best. in 85? Yeah. That's 153, right? I think that's the best baseball season I've seen until this year. 153. Was the good yeah. in 85. You know, Gidry also, yeah. but like, you Gidry know, also won that playoff game. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that puts it over the top for and me. And they won the World Series. Right. right, like in the but in the year. Offensively, I mean, you take out Bonds, I, I can't see it. I mean, Roger Maris hit 269. You know, I mean, he, unbelievable season, MVP, 61 home runs, did not hit three. He's hitting 316 right now. Can, 316. I think this should be considered in something, whether it's part of your MVP thoughts or just putting, more important, putting in perspective the season. Judge is doing this in a year where he did gamble on himself, where where yeah. that could have been, you right. know, we've seen money impact people's seasons, right? Where they're playing for their money. He's doing it in a year where he's entering free agency. He's doing it in a year where a lot of the players have gotten hurt around him and abandoned him offensively. He's doing it in New York with all the expectations. The ability, the Derek Jeter-like ability to block off the world and just enjoy yourself playing baseball while all these potential anxiety uh, filled issues are going on around you. I find that 
as staggering that he's producing this year with all this stuff where the walls could be caving in. Yeah, I think it's big that he hasn't had the hitters around him. He certainly did in the first half. Rizzo was terrific. Stanton, let's not forget, Stanton was good in the first half. He made the all-star team, was the all-star MVP, but second half, there's nobody there. And you pointed out the second half numbers are better. Not only better, they're 50% better. Instead of a 900, it's over 1,300 OPS. You are good with math. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah. it's incredible. 1,300 with nobody around him a lot of the time. Stanton was batting behind him, and Stanton is obviously hobbled. He is not himself. Now you've got Rizzo back. That is big. Maybe that's why it's such a great game, because Rizzo was back in that lineup that last game in Milwaukee. I'd never seen a game like that. I, I don't recall seeing a game in person where a guy hit the ball 110 miles an hour on every times. single at-bat. Five times. You know, I, there's not much more you can say about it. It's it's an amazing season, and he won his bet. It was quite a big bet. It's a hundred million dollar bet at this point, right? Because you were at two thirteen. They're going to be around three hundred. If they're not at three, they're going to be around three hundred million dollars. Watch watch this transition, John. You just said amazing season. I'm going to drop the G. Amazing season. Uh, nice. uh, the Mets, a different kind of math, uh, clinched uh, a playoff spot for the first time since 2016. As we're speaking, it was last night in Milwaukee where you were this weekend. They have more business to do. They're trying to outdo the Braves and get that second seed behind the Dodgers, avoid the wild card round. But I wonder, before we break here uh, and have Aaron Boone join us, what do you think of this season? Uh, for the Mets. They obviously came in with high payroll, high expectations, Steve Cohn related. How much do you think they've honored it to this point? Absolutely, 100%. Buck Showalter's done a great job. Their signings have all been good. Marte, before he went down, really good. Canna, really good. I mean, obviously Scherzer delivering last night with six perfect innings, other than the Two injuries, the side injuries that he went out. He's been incredible. Great season. The one issue still remains is the Braves. They're tough to beat. They're the world it's champion. It's like the Dodgers and Giants last year a little yeah. bit. Somebody's going to win 102-103 and have to deal with a best-of-three wild card. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we saw in 93, right, where the Giants yes. and the Braves went down. One team won, I think, 103. One team won, but there was no safety net and then. And they were out. Yeah. So you have to play three. You're going to have to deal with it without complaint, and I think they will. That series that you're going to be covering in Atlanta, that's, that's going to decide it. You know, I give Atlanta credit because – It looked like the Mets were in much better position, right? I mean, their schedule going forward was very, very favorable. And they've honored. I mean, at the beginning, they struggled a little. They lost the game at Miami. They lost the game to Pittsburgh. They lost a few to Washington. They they got it together, and they've held the lead. But uh, they're going to have to beat Atlanta in Atlanta at least one game. And uh, that's not easy. John, you know, when a team clinches something, I always try to think of the big perspective stuff. And as I was watching the Mets celebrate, as we're taping last night in Milwaukee, you know, you think about, hey, you know, you do need contributions from every place. There's that game. Nick Plummer has a couple of home runs in a short period. Adonis Medina helps out. You go to all of it. But you know what stood out for me with the Mets? And you hint, hit on it a little bit in your, your response here. They're great players kind of play great. Right, like yeah. they, they, their investments, real, that doesn't always happen. They went like four for four in free agency, or right. like especially if you include Adovino. Their trade for Bassett worked. You know, Alonzo and Lindor are going to be top ten MVP finishes. Scherzer probably will be in the top five or six, even missing as much time in Cy Young. When Degrom came back, he was Degrom. Like people played 
Marte was terrific. Right. You know, they miss him now right. when he's not playing. It, there, it doesn't always happen. Their terrific players play to their level. Yeah, and Escobar has certainly become come himself. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he didn't start that way at the beginning of the year, so he's come back. And McNeil, who was not good last year, I mean, he's threatening to win a batting title. He's been much better both ways this year. I don't know whether Buck might have helped in that situation. I don't know. But, you know, their moves have all been good. We've gone over their deadline. I, you know, it didn't feel like anybody really helped themselves at the deadline. All the players that were acquired aren't doing that great, really. It's hard to name somebody who really made a great impact anyway. So they didn't give up the prospects there. That may turn out to be the right thing to do. They had a great winter, and uh, they've earned it. But still got to win that game in Atlanta, at least one game. Amazingly, even though they're in first place, also the Yankees haven't clinched yet. As we're uh, even a playoff spot, as we're speaking here, we'll be talking to their manager Aaron Boone about the status of their team, and of course Aaron Judge when we come back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, and uh, we're very pleased that Aaron Boone, the manager of the New York Yankees has joined us in these final weeks of uh, another pennant race for him. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. I think the subject of the moment is another Aaron, Aaron Judge. Uh, he's the biggest story in New York. He's the biggest story in baseball. And I was thinking about a way to combine uh, your history and his. And I ju- was just thinking, when you were a player in the early 2000s, your Cincinnati Reds played regularly against the San Francisco Giants and Barry Bonds. And what always amazed me is Bonds hardly ever got any pitches to hit, and he was always ready to hit. And this is the first time since then I've seen something like that, where it's like judges being treated like plutonium, and yet he's ready to hit all the time. I'm wondering if you see some parallels there, and if even you, from a longtime baseball family, are amazed that somebody could see so few hittable pitches and be on it all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's been that's been something that's been remarkable here, especially over the last month where that's really started to really started to happen, where they've taken the bat out of his hands altogether or, you know, certainly have been very careful, you know, especially as we've gone through a stretch there where, you know, we had a number of guys down. So we're kind of makeshift lineups and things. Yeah, his discipline's been so impressive. I I think going back to the start of the year, I think it's a guy that's learned from his experiences you know, let, let's start with the baseline of being a, a super talented baseball player. But to see how he's gained and then applied his experiences over the years has been really special to witness and to watch. And this year to see him, you know, you hear that slow the game down a lot. He embodies that. He does such a good job in the batter's box of like processing a pitch. If he doesn't do something that he wanted to, he'll he'll kind of very calmly gather himself, reset his mind, just be in complete command of the situation. And, you know, I I heard maybe even him talk about, but somebody in, in kind of correlating the bonds and judge, you know, not getting pitched to like there, it, it almost goes to this added focus that when that pitch does show up, 
you're in that much of a better position. I can't relate to that, obviously, but there may be something to that. Yeah, I'm still shocked that they're pitching to him. I mean, uh, you know, I was in Milwaukee. I thought they would walk him there at the end. Council's one of the best managers in baseball, and he pitched to him, and he just, I guess he hoped he hit the ball at somebody, hit a liner at left, and it was a double. Are you still surprised? I think he has 17 or 18 intentional walks as we do this. Are you surprised that they're still pitching to him? And did you bat him first? Was the impetus behind that to make sure that they would pitch to him? Because that that does seem to be working. To, to He's like almost too good to be the three or four hitter. He has to bat first so that they pitch to him. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's trying to put him in the best position to get him the most pitches and hitting first, he, you know, happens to get up more often too. So I, I, I like that aspect <laughs> of it. Just with what we've gone through here over the last month from a lineup standpoint, it, it's been a little bit makeshift. So it's, it's been about kind of getting him uh, the best possible situation we can get him in. As far as being surprised, not really. I mean, I mean, the reality is over the last month, it's really starting to happen to where they have taken the bat out of his hand. What I've been interested to see is there's been a few situations that have developed over the course of the game, like man on first, two outs, the guy in front of him. If he gets on base here, now we're first and second, two outs. Then what's going to happen? Are they going to walk him in that situation? And we've almost had a few of those situations, but we've made an out or it hasn't ended up coming up. So that real one that we'll talk about, intentional walk, that's the one I'm kind of waiting to see how teams take on. I think for the most part so far, Everyone that's happened, you've kind of gone, yeah, I see that one. But but now more and more teams, obviously they're unique situations with Bonds and Judge, but also the way you, I think, view the intentional walk as an industry has probably changed a lot over that time frame as well. You know, your your pal and former coach Phil Nevin, now the manager of the Angels, kind of unleashed this again when he walked them twice when you were in Anaheim. Since then, it's become more in use, so you probably owe your pal that to remind everyone that they could use it. I'm wondering, we have now taken it for granted, Aaron, that the other Aaron, Judge, can handle all this. But I do want to recognize he bet on himself contract-wise. To your point you've made, He's dealt with a lot of injuries around him where he is the offense on a lot of days. He is going after the most important single-season record in the history of our sport. And I'm just wondering, as his manager, your level of appreciation and, more important, understanding where does it come from that he's able to wall it all off when he gets to the ballpark and he gets in the batter's box and really in the field. He's been an all-around player. Where, where does this come from? Why is he able to withstand what is should feels like a lot of pressure? Yeah. All right. The one thing that stood out to me about Aaron Judge since the day I met him and is the most important thing to him is being a great teammate and winning. He lives that. So when that is at your core, I think it makes all this other stuff a lot easier because the game then becomes very simple for him. You know, he, he has a ton of confidence in his ability. Obviously, he's obviously a great talent and a great player. But his focus every day is on being a great teammate and winning. And more so than any player I've been around, I truly don't think he cares if he goes 0 for 4 and we win or he's the guy in the center of it all. And I think a lot of people have that quality, not to his level. He, he's, he's lived that and shown me that authentically every single day that I've known him. And I think that's why from the start of all this, from the start of the season around the contract, in my view, it would not be a distraction because I know what he's about and what is important to him. 
And I think it allows him when, you know, this would be potentially a chaotic time for people. It allows things to be incredibly simple for him. And I think people should take note of that. People, players should take note of that around the league that when you don't make it about yourself and you make it about the guys next to you and your team, then it, it makes it makes your job a lot more simple. You're a young man, but you, you've grown up in the game. I mean, you were around, I can recall you at the Angels Clubhouse when I covered your dad, Bob Boone, uh, with the Angels. I'm wondering where you think this ranks in terms of history, his season, and also, frankly, is this the record? You know, I've taken the position that Roger Maris is the true record holder. Um, not to put you on the spot here, but you know, I put think the, 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 the not to put you on the spot, but I'll, to I'm put you on the spot. On the spot. <laughs> you know, I think that there's a lot of excitement around this. There'd be even more excitement if we all understood this was the true record. But you know, there's a division. Some people say it's Bonds, and then there's a few like me who say Maris still has this, the true record. Where, where do you stand on that? Well, that's a lot to unpack there, John. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so I think I, I think it's a historically great season. You know, I think it's up there. I've been looking at for the last month or two. It's like, man, he's got 59 homers. And what is it? Kyle Schwarber has 39. And yeah. now he's making an assault on the batting title and, and obviously running away with the RBI title out of the leadoff and two spot mostly. Couple that with, you know, he's played primarily center field this year for us at, at a really high level. I think he's gone to another level on the base pass. He's got a chance to steal 20 bases for us this year and has just really run the bases really well. So, and then as far as the record, I mean, I think Bonds has the record. I think we would all agree that that era or that time and and even that player that what tainted, whatever you want to say, but it is the record. That being said, I think a lot of us out there look at 61 as this magical number that and, you know, when when he gets there and when he goes past it should be embraced and celebrated by the sport. And and I think just further acknowledgement of what an amazing season he has put together judges the kind of certainty on your team from uh, the beginning of the season till now. It is a strange position you're in. You're you're up by five and a half games with about two weeks left in the season, which traditionally would make for great comfort for any team. And yet, I think there's probably great questions about how you're lining up your rotation for a postseason. I think there's probably a lot of questions about how you're lining up your bullpen for a postseason. There's a lot of questions about which injured guys are going to get back and be part of your lineup between now in the end of the season. I wonder how the manager of a team that's comfortably in first place feels about where his team is now, beyond judge, as we get towards the games that matter the most. Yeah, I feel like we're still getting there. You know, obviously getting Rizzo back Sunday was a big deal for us. But but even leading up to that, I mean, we're, and to our guys' credit, you know, put together a nice little string there over a 10, 12 game periods when we're really banged up and and going through it a little bit and trying to kind of find our way and getting Riz back huge. You know, we're going to get Harrison Bader back tonight, which is going to be big for us. You know, Seve's starting tomorrow. Efros is right behind. I think these are truly impactful pieces that we're getting back. We're, we're still holding out hope on, on the Benintendis and, and even maybe Matt Carpenter. And then, you know, as as you get whole over these next couple of weeks, you feel like you'll be in a position to to go make a run at this thing. So we're still working hard to get whole and and find out exactly what our team is going to be and who all we get back. But I but I'm hopeful 
about some of the things that are happening. Yeah, this team was on a record pace. Uh, looked like it was going to go to 122 wins at one point, and certainly at this point uh, will not get, get there. Had a great year, but uh, obviously slowed quite a bit. I don't want to say collapsed, but slowed quite a bit. Are the injuries the full explanation for that? And You know, I was in Milwaukee. Um, how's Montas and how's Stanton? Stanton did not look like himself. I understand he's toughing it out, but he clearly was not himself. Yeah, yeah, Big G's battling through it. I mean, I, I think he's he's very much good enough to go and good enough to figure it out, but I think there's a there's a figuring out period for for Giancarlo right now where he's kind of, you know, he's a unique unique guy, unique hitter from a timing standpoint. And so I think he's kind of finding his way right now with it. I think he can get I think he'll get through it and I think uh on the other side of this is that Giancarlo we see when he's a wrecking ball and can throw a team on his back and throw an offense on his back. That's where we're working to get him to and and where he's kind of feeling his way and finding that timing, but we got to get him there. Frankie, uh, I'll know a lot more here in a couple hours when I get in and, and see him. So we'll, we'll see on that. And then, you know, yeah, I think, I think some of the attrition we went through, you know, with Rizzo dealing with the back issue, Giancarlo being down, DJ, who was having an amazing year, all of a sudden, you know, that toe, creeped in and, and kind of zapped him a little bit. So, you know, it took like three or four key, and then you take Benintendi out, you know, four key cogs in our offense out of the lineup. We're a different team. So, you know, we went through a, a stretch there for a few weeks where offensively it was a real challenge for us. But through it all, I look, look ahead and realize, you know, especially if we get a handful of these guys back and into the mix, I feel like we have a real chance to be a championship club and that's what we're working to. And it's not perfect all the time. And over the course of 162, every year is a little bit different, but you know, hopefully we hit our Valley at some point. And I do believe if, if we can hoist the championship at the end, it'll be something that will have served us well. Aaron, you uh, talk about being whole uh, and uh, the best team you could be. It would seem difficult for you to be the last team standing unless Garrett Cole is the best version of himself. Somebody you could start in a game one, game five in a division series, etc. I'll do one where I'll, I guess I'll put you on the spot a little bit. He, he has been very, very good since the Sticky Stuff ban went into effect last year, but he's been more inconsistent and had more kind of like blow-up games than ever before is can he be your ace this version of garrett cole under these rules yes yeah i i think i think that is a thing of the past as far as results he gets um i i think that's a that's a non-factor i think the biggest thing for him is just finding that next level of consistency to be truly dominant because you know he has all the pitches his stuff has been remarkably consistent. It's just, you know, he's been the victim of his mistakes turn, have turned into homers, especially this year you know, where he's, uh, you know, had those innings where if he loses a little bit with the command. I think teams, you know, hunt slug versus him and sell out to slug versus him because they know, you know, you, you can't treat him like a normal pitcher where you're going to cover a few things or look for certain things and be in position. I think guys go sell out to certain things. And when he hasn't been perfect with it, they've made him pay with, with the long ball. So that's something that we're trying to, you know, get better at figure out, you know, do we need to do be, do a better job of sequencing, locating, all those kind of things. But he certainly has everything there to go shut down a, a great offense when he's on top of his game. 
You know, I'll follow that up. Um, Cortez has been really good. Is Cole definitely your game one starter in the playoffs? Yeah, Cole would be. And we feel great about Nestor, obviously, too. And hopefully Seve getting back here and, and getting a few starts under his belt here at the back end put him in that mix too. So yeah, we got a we got a couple of weeks to go there. We got to see how we get there and how we get in. And those things always affect uh how you line things up. But hopefully we're in a position to line it up how we want. Aaron, you mentioned uh you might get Efros back very soon. You got Chapman back a few days ago. You have a lot of interesting and talented options. Is that the good news or the bad news? Do you know how you want to deploy this in your biggest games? And do you trust that Clay Holmes is going to return to first half Clay Holmes and be able to be the guy who gets the ball at the end and shut things down? Because obviously he's also been inconsistent since the All-Star game. Yeah, I think it's um I think we do have a lot of really good options that are capable of of getting big outs in in high leverage situations. And and I think I'm I'm kind of including Efros into that mix. Uh, you know, I believe he can be a part of that mix. So hopefully, you know, you have some balance with, but, but I do think it's going to be a situation where down the stretch here, and then even into the postseason, you could have a number of different guys closing out games for us. You know, I'm going to line it up to where I want guys to get into the best parts of the order or the best, you know, three or four lane matchups that I think they have the best chance to be successful. So that's how we're going to kind of do it moving forward. Hopefully we're getting these guys into a, into a good spot. And, and I feel like Clay's right in there. I feel like Clay's, you know, I know he's had a couple of bumpy outings, but, but since he went through the stretch where he struggled there and then went on the IL, since he's come back, I've been pleased with how he's thrown the ball. I've been pleased with how he's responded and pitched when he's had some adversity within a game. And I think those are things that hopefully serve him well, too. I'm sure you saw what Joe Madden said about managing. I'm wondering, has it been a surprise to you? I'm assuming here that it's a collaborative effort, everything, including the lineup at times. Has that been a surprise to you? Have you adjusted? Obviously, your dad played and managed in a different era. You know, I, when I covered him, Gene Mark was the manager. He certainly would not have accepted the the input of the front office, you know, times have changed. I think at this point, we assume almost every front office has big input. How has that been for you? How have you adjusted to that? How do you deal with that? It's been fine. Um, my experience does not line up with Joe Madden and some of the, you know, that would be an exaggerated version of what I've experienced. From a lineup standpoint, you know, 95% of the time, it's uh, you know, Mendy and I go through it the night before and kind of line up what we're thinking. I'll occasionally go to a hitting coach or uh, or maybe an analyst and say, hey, what do you think here on tomorrow? I might get their opinion on something, but, you know, they give us really good information to deal with that that really help us, you know, as we go through kind of what we have a runway meeting every night where we kind of line up, you know, who's available in the pen how we think we want to use them, where we see them fitting in, where the other team might pinch hit here, you know, different matchups that we like. So we kind of go through that and, and the information that I feel like our organization provides is tremendous. 
So my experience has been a good one in that regard. Aaron, I, uh, to, to wrap up here, thank you for joining us. Uh, I, I want to piggyback on that a little. By almost any you know variable, you've been a very, very successful manager here in your, your fifth year, short of the championship, obviously. You've won over 60% of your games. You go look in the history of the game. Not many people who managed have done that. Uh, your teams have always made the playoffs. You're about to probably win a division for the second time. I wonder what you think. We, we had Brian Cashman on a few weeks ago. When things don't go well, you guys get labeled as idiots pretty quickly in 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 this age. I wonder what it's like to be successful and withstand lots and lots of criticism of your work. Yeah, I mean, look, it goes with the territory. I mean, I know that's kind of the stock answer, but it really does. I mean, you sign up for this. Um, you certainly understand that. Um, you certainly understand wearing the pinstripes is a different level of scrutiny. And a lot of it is fueled out of passion. You know, there's there's times when you see things that you're, you you want to set the record straight. You try and keep just keep moving on from that, though. When I'm in the season, I don't see very much of anything. I'm kind of, you know, when I took on this job, it was like I wanted to be part of a team. I wanted to be in the fire, in the competition, in the arena. And I want to win a championship. That's why I came and did this. And that's what I'm kind of just uber focused on and, and trying to put my best foot forward every day to try and accomplish. And so you, you know, you try not to get caught up in the rest. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Best of luck the rest of the season. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Well-timed cough. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> we'll be back to wrap up right after this. Well, John, Aaron Boone was nice enough to join us uh, for about 20, 25 minutes today. He covered a lot of ground there. What stuck out to you? Well, his personality. I mean, he's uh, certainly a very personable, kind guy, and everybody likes him. And I think uh, you can see why the club loves him, the players love him. You never hear anything. And that's one thing that stuck out. But I would say of the answers, two interesting things uh, where we put him on the spot a little bit. I'm not shocked that he says that Bond's is the real record holder, obviously paid tribute to Judge. He's amazed like all of us are, but he acknowledges Bonds as the record holder. Maybe I'm in the vast minority there. I don't know. He also said Cole would start game one. I wasn't sure of that. I really wasn't. Uh, I thought Cortez has really been their better pitcher this year. I don't know. Did, were you surprised at all that he committed to Cole for one? No. Uh, one of the things, and again, this might just be building up, is Cortez has been great early in his two starts and has run out of gas a little bit after about four innings or two times around. And I assume the guy you want to start in game one is a guy you believe at least could horse it into maybe the sixth or seventh, which leads me to the other thing, what I found interesting about what Boone talked about, John, which is he is planning to maneuver his bullpen to what he believes is the best usage. So instead of having, this is my seventh inning guy, this is my eighth yeah. inning guy, this is my ninth. You know, Terry Francona did this a little bit in 16, where he was like, Andrew Miller is my attack dog. I'm going to use that wherever I have to. I do wonder if they have a lot of answers or a lot of questions in their bullpen uh, right yeah. now, because I do like a lot of these guys, and yet, there's not a high level of trust on any of them. Yeah, at the moment, you know, I think it's out of necessity. I don't think he has any choice. I, I think he'd love Holmes to be the closer, and he's used Holmes as the closer, but he has not been dominant, at, le at the very least, over the last couple weeks. 
And uh, I think at this point, you can't really commit. He committed to Cole as his game one starter, but can't really commit to who the closer is, who's the setup man. He's going to have to mix and match. I think he's done a good job with that generally, and uh, it's going to have to continue. Yeah. Next week, we're going to get to ask Buck Showalter a lot of these same questions. We have the Yankee manager today. We have the Mets manager joining us next week. Thanks for listening to this version of the show, a New York Post podcast. Thanks to Jake Brown, Andrew Hartz for producing this and all the good folks here at MCM for broadcasting us. Here we are again. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. He's John Heyman. You can find him on Twitter at, at John Heyman. I'm at Joel Sherman one. Listen to us this week. Join us every week on Tuesday, next week with Buck Show Walter on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman.